0: Woke up quick at about noon. Loved ones, welcome into the Thursday, August 6th edition of the podcast with Damian Barling here on the Be Heard platform. We thank you so much for downloading, streaming, for listening, subscribing. We thank you so much for being a part of the show. We thank you so much for being a part of this platform that we've started here and supporting it. I realized I said yesterday I'm going to have the show posted nice and early for you. And I came extremely close to recording the show at 2 a.m. this morning simply because your boy couldn't sleep. I don't. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night? Like we all wake up in the middle of the night, but have you ever woken up in the middle of the night and had that like, uh oh, like I'm awake. Like there's a there's a feeling of oh, wake up, toss and turn. I'm gonna close my. I'm I'm gonna go right back to sleep. There's that wake up of oh, I've I've got to go to the bathroom. You go to the bathroom, you come lay back, then you know you're going right to sleep. But there's also that feeling of like waking up and going, oh, what the hell. I think I'm awake and that happened to me like I woke up and I was like oh I'm awake and I'm kind of like surveying my my sprout my youngest dog was laying like on my pillow essentially Uh, my older dog smoothie was just I don't even know like for those of you who have dogs and allow them to sleep in your bed like sometimes my dog gets in a position it's like how did she even get there like did she just push me out of the way to get where she was? And I was trying to like find my footing and I was like, why is, how did she get there? Like I have no room and I got up and she's just sprawled out. Like as comfortable as can be where I should be sleeping. And I'm looking around and I go, I don't think that it's, I don't think it's late enough to get up and I'm kind of surveying like, what does it look like outside? And I get up and I walk into the front room and walk towards the office and I see the, 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 thermostat the clock on the and it was 204 and I thought oh hell okay and I just kind of sat there for a second or stood there for a second I was like all right go 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 kind of lay down for a few minutes and see if you could just fall back asleep this is this could be a misnomer as uh, Michael Scott would say Michael Scott actually said that as Caleb Crawdad and so I, I, you know, like I go and lay back down and nope, ain't happening. Wide awake. Go to the couch, pull up, you know, I pull up the rundown for today's show, make some adjustments. I look to see if I missed anything, any breaking news coming in, any story I need to add to subtract from whatever, nothing there. Like, all right, it's like 240 at this point. Actually, it's closer to three. I'm like, oh, should I just go do this? And I was like, try one more time to fall asleep just like i my sprout had already come out into the couch with me she follows me everywhere so i was like i'm just gonna lay down here on the couch see if i can you know get some sleep if i don't if i'm not asleep by four i get up i i i, I start working put my head down and i'm doing all of this I'm, i'm telling you all of these stories because there's really no point in talking about the pelicans and, and the Kings, given the fact that that game starts at 1030 and you may be listening to this after. And I'm trying my best to not keep this, not, not let this show be super dated. Um, so I don't know what time I like fell asleep. It was probably, it, it couldn't, it couldn't, it wasn't earlier than 340. I know that for sure. And then I kind of woke up and I saw like outside and realized, okay, it's it's really close to recording time, and I looked at my phone, and it was, uh, or I looked at the computer, and it was five fifty. So I was like, all right, let's get up, let's get to work, let's get business done, and 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 here we are. So uh, that is a, a a long story. That just an insight into my life. There are days, dude. There was there was a stretch, man, at the start of, and I don't know if it was pandemic related. I just don't know if it was from being at home all day. But back in March, dude, there was there was a stretch where I didn't sleep past four and then i started sleeping past and then i started sleeping to like 5 30 like, i start recording the show every day no later than six o'clock absolutely no later than six o'clock normally it's recorded earlier but i haven't set an alarm in four and a half months i haven't set an alarm i think since february that's wild to me man my body's even on the weekends dude my but like five thirty when there's no show to record on saturday morning I wake up and, and, and I'll box or I'll get some cardio in before I take my dogs out because I feed my dogs every day at 7. Feed them at 7. We go out for a nice long walk, particularly on the weekends. Man, I just, I'll i wake up. I'll do some cardio or I'll get a light lift in, do some boxing. I'll do all of that stuff just before 7 o'clock. And come back home and it's, it, it's after the walk and it's 8. And it's like, well, what do I do now? And as you can tell by my voice, I've been watching Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reruns i got to just keep watching that series over and over and over again, and I'm just reminded how freaking fantastic it was. That show still makes me laugh. And nothing, or not nothing, very little makes me laugh. Very, very little. Chris Verlade makes me laugh, which drives me nuts. It actually kind of pisses me off. He makes me laugh, but very, very little does, and I'd laugh watching The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I'm on the episodes now where Tyra Banks is in it. Like Tyra Banks makes her acting debut on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I haven't gotten to the Neil Long episodes, which are really good. Gosh, man, when you go back and you see some of the people that were on the show, they did this one episode where Prince and, and and Carlton were trying to get get a date at the mall. And, and, and Prince does this like, he does this like dream sequence. He, he does this like imaginary sequence where he's telling this girl that he wants to take on a date about a day in his life. And it's got like like Quincy Jones is in it, uh Al B. Shore is in it, Heavy D is in it, Bo Jackson is in it. It's all in this like uh two and a half minute time span. It's oh it, it just it was just a kick in the face, like, oh man, I remember how how culturally relevant this show was. I mean, obviously you had DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, who I was a huge fan of. I was telling some young people this story the other day is uh, Deuce Mo and I and, and our Heard platform were working with this youth group, which we can't wait to tell you about. Uh, we're creating a podcast with them. It's going to be, oh, it's going to be spectacular. We can't wait to uh, tell you more about that. Um, but we were ta- I was talking about how when I grew up and, and my love for hip hop developed, it developed through DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. And parents just don't understand. And he's the DJ, I'm the rapper and girls ain't nothing but trouble in that. Kind of soft hip hop, like softer hip hop. I didn't get turned on to, you know, Ice Cube, till later in life. Because not not late, not not like later in life, not like when I was twenty. I mean, I I didn't. I think the first Ice Cube album I heard. I in fact I know that the first Ice Cube album I heard was The Predator. And I remember I Tower Records, Wat and El Camino. I asked my mom. I mom, there's this. Tape. (laughs) Oh, God, that makes, I hate being the old guy. Like, it's so infuriating to say I had to ask my mom to take me to go get a tape. And, you know, it has the parental advisory label on it. And the album is playing over the Tower Records speakers. And I go, Mom, can can I get this? And she's like, okay. And I'm eleven, a twelve or eleven. Mom's like, all right. But if you start running around saying those words, tape is gone. And so we got that. And I listened to it and I listened to it and I listened to it. And I wore that bitch out. Absolutely wore it out. And then I was like, yo, can I, okay. You know, I've been good, like, can I get, you know, his other albums, and can I get, like, death certificate, America's, uh, uh, America, KK's Most Wanted, and this is when the Los Angeles riots were, you know, were happening, this was just after the Los Angeles riots were happening, just after, is when the Predator came out, and so I was, a like, like I was aware, you know, of race, I was aware of racial tension, I was aware of police brutality, that's when I really started becoming, I don't want to say I became socially conscious when I was, you know, 11 or 12 years old. I became aware when I was 11 or 12. But then when I got America's Most Wanted and listened to that and realized America's Most Wanted and Death Certificate, he's telling the story of the Los Angeles riots before the Los Angeles riots happened. That's when a light bulb clicked in my head. That's when it was like, okay, wait a minute. Okay, what's happening here? That's when a light bulb clicked in my head with social initiatives. That's when a light bulb clicked in my head about like race and police brutality and, and how music can, can play a part in a movement. And then that's just what opened me up to music in general. Um, I think ready to die was the album that changed the way I listened to music because I always thought that ready to die was like a cinematic feature on wax ready to die. Was it was a movie that played out through music. And so with the predator, and with, you know, and with most other albums with DJ he's the DJ, I'm the rapper, you find songs that you like, like a nightmare on my street, and parents just don't understand, and brand new funk or it was, it was a good day and check yourself and Wicked and you find songs that you like, and you listen to them over and over and over again. Whereas, you know, I think it was a good day was probably the reason I bought the album. I'm sure positive that was the first single. It was like, yo, I, I, I got to get this. I remember Wicked had a video. On Rap City, it was like, I've, I've got to get this. But when I heard Ready to Die, it was like, no, you have to listen to albums beginning to end at least once or twice before you start picking and choosing the songs that you like. You have to listen the way that it was created. You have to listen to beginning to end. It's like the Godfather, the Godfather trilogy. You've got to watch the Godfather, Godfather 1, then Godfather 2, and you can watch Godfather 3, which isn't nearly as bad of a movie as people make it out to be. Like, not at all. But the best way to watch the Godfather is to watch the Godfather trilogy. And if you've ever seen that, or sometimes it's, sometimes it's, called, sometimes it's not called the Godfather trilogy. Sometimes it's called the Godfather epic. Where they take the scenes, the flashback scenes of Godfather 2. Like young, young Vito Corleone. They take those scenes with Robert De Niro and they put them first. And the movie plays out in chronological order. If you've never seen The Godfather that way, you've got to watch it. Normally you can only find it, like it's not available to purchase anywhere, at least not that I'm aware of. uh, But it has, you know, The Godfather, if you put all three Godfather movies together, they're already like nine hours long. But the trilogy, the 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 epic, it's like eleven. It has like a ton of deleted scenes in it, and a lot of them are extremely relevant scenes. And it's an awesome way to watch The Godfather, but you have to watch watch it in its original original presentation first. That's the way albums are. You've got to listen to them in their entirety first, and then same is true with same is true with like today, like a good album, Kendrick Lamar. Damn. You've got to listen to Damn beginning to end the way that it was supposed to be. It tells an entire story. In fact, all of Kendrick Lamar's albums tell an entire story, a cinematic feature from beginning to end. And when you start to pick just pieces that you like, it takes away from the entire album. And that was a hell of a story here to start this podcast. I guess all of that's going to take the place of the King's Pelicans preview. I don't even know what was the point of sharing that. I don't even know how I got off on that story. I was talking about Ice Cube and, and albums and all that and the young people that we're working with. But oh, I know what I was. saying. I was talking about the Fresh Prince of Bel Air and then albums and all of that. But yeah, no, Fresh Prince of Bel Air was or or DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. That's what actually. That's what that's what made me fall in love with hip hop. I knew more pop music. You know what I mean? Like like I knew 80s music. I knew hair metal. I knew pop. I I didn't you know and then I heard the DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince and it was like oh yeah I can get with this I think I could beat Mike Tyson you know it's all silly stuff I was like I can get with this I could turn it up loud I won't get in trouble nothing like that but it was Ice Cube that always changed the game for me that's why I always talk about Ice Cube being an underrated or an undervalued rapper and you know and the 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 unfortunate thought that if Ice Cube had been Murdered after death certificate or after uh, America's most wanted and the predator had been the posthumous release. He'd be the greatest uh, rapper of all time and it wouldn't even be close. It wouldn't even be close. I think death certificate was second. So that was right. It even, it, Cause like, look at the albums that he came out with. Like look, look at, look at the albums that he worked on his first handful albums, It was straight out of Compton, which he wrote and performed on. He wrote all of We Want Easy, which was a monster. And then he did Death Certificate and America's Most Wanted. Those are his first four albums. And then The Predator doesn't get nearly the love that America's and Death Certificate gets, but it's by far. But that's got It Was a Good Day on it. That's got uh, Check Yourself on it. Man, You and then you end it right there. That's the end of Ice Cube right there. Man, come on. It's not even close. Cute. Pac can't touch that. I can't touch that at all because people romanticize Tupacalypse Now. Tupacalypse Now is good. Tupacalypse Now became a classic after he died. Tupacalypse Now was not a classic before he died. Strictly Forma wasn't a classic, and I still would argue it's not. It's got I Get Around on it, which is a big deal. It's got Keep Your Head Up, which is a bigger deal. And it's got some other really, really great songs on it. It's a really great album. It's a good album. Me Against the World is a great album. But then all eyes on me came out. I can't we I can't believe I missed this man. This is this is a hundred percent E me. This is a massive L. You know Monday today's Thursday, so five four three. Monday was the twenty fifth anniversary of the Source Awards, where Shug stood on the stage and said, "If y'all want to uh, be an artist and not have a have a executive producer all in the videos dancing, come to death row." It was the 25th anniversary of that award show earlier this week, and I went back and watched it. I went back. There's actually, if you search Source 95 on YouTube, you can find the entire award show. Whew, man, you talk about tension filled. Holy crap. Between Snoop Dogg on y'all ain't got no love for death row? And the crowd just booing and booing. And the last dude on the stage, I, I always thought the last dude on the stage that night was Biggie, but it wasn't. It was, Biggie was the last performer of the night. The last person to win an award was Snoop. And Snoop has talked about that day in great detail. He was like, I was trying to calm everything down because it was wild in there. And that's when Suge gave the shout out to Tupac. And then, you know, we know what came after that. All eyes on me. And then he's gone. And then Machiavelli comes out. And there have been good songs that have been released from Tupac, but there's never been a great album that's been released since he, since he passed away. Good songs, but Machiavelli, but, but Machiavelli was the exception. That first album that came out, which I think was on, which, which, which wasn't, you know, that long after he passed away, it might've been the same month or the month after. Just nasty. Oh my gosh. Machiavelli was, it was hard hitting, you know, a, a little bit too hard hitting in retrospect, given the fact that like, I don't listen to hit him up. Like you, you can't play that song for me. I turn it straight off It's because of the Ram. you talk about disc records, these disc records had ramifications and, you know, Pac's gone, Big's gone. I mean, hell even, you know, he even went after mob deep and some of those records, you know, you know, we know that members of mob deep are gone. So it's, you know, different circumstances, but still they're not here anymore. And it's like, man, that's they, 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 there's a disc record and then there's going too far. And what resulted, you know, whether it hit him up was, the catalyst to, to to what happened i just can't listen to you know to those disc records in, in that time and, and you know machiavelli was full of those bomb first and you know it was full of you know kind of distracts and then there were distracts that came out years afterwards so uh maybe i should just start over Woke up quick at about noon. hey we're gonna do a podcast today on sports we appreciate you tuning in so much, man. Thank you for downloading, streaming, subscribing, for listening, Be heard platform. I know I did all that stuff, so let's move along. Kings and Pelicans today, if you want a preview to that show, go all the way back to March 11th. Uh, this game is going to be on TNT. It's going to be on TNT at 1030 for those who are unaware, so uh, make your plans to tune in. Uh, we'll have full coverage uh, of the game for you on tomorrow's podcast. Uh, no Sacramento Kings podcast today, simply because it's the first night of a back to back. So we'll be at it following the game tomorrow, but, uh, 10 30 start today. Um, if you want post game reaction, I'm very confident. Um, J street vibes will have it for you. Uh, so make sure you're locked into the be her platform. If you haven't subscribed yet to J street uh, J street vibes and Kenny Caraway and, 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 uh, Jason Jones, Make sure you check that out. Uh, search Be Heard in your podcast platform. Or just search J Street Vibes and and hit subscribe uh, there and you'll get your post-game reaction to the Sacramento Kings today. Uh, we know what's on the line. Fascinatingly enough, the Kings still have a chance. Not only do they have a chance, they have a... They have a realistic chance. Sort of. I mean, let's look at this. The Grizzlies lost again yesterday. And... You know, I I you know, we I I asked the question, and and I think some of you echoed it. Um, what would teams be playing for? Like we saw the Lakers. You know, we'll get to the Thunder and the Lakers in in just a few minutes. And I'm not going to give the Lakers a pass. the Th- The Thunder were they, they were phenomenal yesterday. But you know, I, we wondered like, would these teams actually be playing for seating? Would they be would they be looking? Because because you're not getting home court advantage. Would they be looking to avoid specific matchups? And looking at the way that the Jazz have been playing and the Rockets have been playing and the Thunder have been playing, I think they're absolutely you know, trying to trying to find that seating, trying to get that record and perhaps trying to avoid certain matchups. We see the Jazz move uh, within half a game of the Rockets for fourth place in the Western Conference. Um, the Jazz scored 124 points yesterday. They beat the Grizzlies 124-115. Obviously, the story for us is the fact that the Grizzlies lost. But I do want to point this out. The Jazz had 102 points from their starters. That's, that's phenomenal. I, I, it's phenomenal, and it's also like, um, what's going on with your bench? Like, y'all might want to clean that up a little bit. Uh, Rudy Gobert, 21 points, 16 rebounds. It's, it's, it's his seventh 20-10 uh, game this season. That's tied for the fourth most in the NBA. Big game from Mike Conley, 23 points, 7 assists, and 5 rebounds. The Grizzlies remain winless. And I think that's that's I don't want to say that's the root of frustration with the Sacramento Kings fans, but it kind of is. It kind of is in the sense of it was they've had such a golden opportunity in the three games that they've played. Dallas is obviously a tough team. Luka Doncic said uh, post game that against the Kings that you know we we played our you know what we think was. Probably our worst game. We shot terrible, and we won. So we're lucky we feel like we escaped with the win. The Kings were in, and we talked about it yesterday, the Kings were in firm control of that game. Not firm control. The Kings were in control. The, I actually didn't, I didn't think the Kings were going to lose. The, Morgan Reagan reminded me yesterday that the, that the Mavericks took their second lead of the game in overtime, and their first lead of the game didn't last very long. Like that's how that's how well the Kings were playing. That's kind of ha- how in control the game was. And to continue to promote our Be Heard podcast, J- Jason and Kenny reminded me, De'Aaron's shot falls. We're talking. We're not even talking about this. Like I didn't think De'Aaron's look was bad at all. His look at the end of overtime, or excuse me, his look at the end of regulation, I did not think was a bad look at all. I thought it was a solid look. It fits the mold of what we normally see. But with De'Aaron, I'm okay with it. It fits the mold of what we see in that. I never we never see play calls. We see a guy get a ball, particularly when we're talking 13 seconds, 10 seconds, seven seconds. We're talking a short amount of time. You're not going to very often see a play run to get a shooter open. You're going to see the guy who's going to take the final shot get his ball, get the ball in his hands, and he's quick enough to create space, like to still a line from. Good old JR, who I believe stole the line from Gordon Soli. He's not quick, he's sudden. And that's what De'Aaron is. And De'Aaron created a ton of space when he got that shot up, and it didn't fall. He created about five times more space than Devin Booker was able to create that same night against Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. But Devin Booker's shot fell. De'Aaron Fox's didn't. And here we are, with three straight losses for the Kings. Four straight losses for the Memphis Grizzlies. Three straight wins for the Phoenix Suns. Who, you know, one of the things that we do have to watch uh, today. We, I think we we had the 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 Spurs. I believe we had the Spurs lose yesterday, which is of note. They lost to Denver. Denver's, I mean, San Antonio put up 126 yesterday. Denver put up 132. But still 126 points in a loss, everything that everything that, that um, San Antonio has done since this restart has started. Every single thing, to me has been shocking. Like come on, 100, 126 points in a losing effort for the San Antonio Spurs. My goodness, man. Michael Porter, Jr. entered the starting lineup yesterday. I don't think you want to hear this stat line. 30 and 15. Nuggets are balling, man. Mike Malone. Mike Malone got his guys playing well. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, 18 points. Uh, Whitehead 23. Uh, they got, you know, Rudy Gobert, another really solid outing uh, from Rudy Gobert. So the Spurs that are there uh, are playing well. But because of the uniqueness of the situation, now the Grizzlies are looking at a, a spot where they're going to play themselves out of the eighth spot. The question may be, are they going to play themselves out of the ninth spot? Because they're about one loss away and one win away from the right team of that happening. And that team is probably the Portland Trailblazers. So here's the docket for today. We know we've got the 1030 start for the Pelicans and the Kings. We've got Miami and Milwaukee that holds no bearing to us. One o'clock, we've got the Pacers and the Suns. The Suns looking for their fourth straight win. Let's say, for argument's sake, they don't get it. Okay? Let's say they don't get it. Clippers and the Mavericks, no bearing to us. 5 o'clock tonight. Portland and Denver. Okay? Denver, second night of a back-to-back. Obviously, we just gave you the rundown of the game that they had against the Spurs. But imagine if the Nuggets beat the Spurs and... The Trailblazers. Kings win today against New Orleans. (sighs) There's a tie now for the ninth spot. That's what a jumbled mess all of this is. One day. One win. And a couple of things falling into place for you. And the Kings are right back in it. And I look at the Kings and I go, man, they don't deserve to be in it. But they will be. If they get a... They'll be... um, The way it'll work is um, the Trailblazers will be at 31 wins and 39 losses. The Spurs right now, they're at 29 wins and 38 losses. The Pelicans would be at 29 wins and 39 losses. The Phoenix Suns would be at 29 wins and 40 losses. And the Sacramento Kings would be at 29 wins 29 wins and 39 losses so it would be the kings, the suns the pelicans and the Spurs all with the same number of wins the problem is the Portland Trailblazers the play the, the blazers are, are, are playing well and you would need them to lose a number of games. And the wild part about all of this is it just started and it's almost over. Like we hit the halfway point today. We hit the halfway point with today's game versus the Pelicans. We hit the halfway point of this reseating thing at brunch today. Cause I think the official hours of brunch are 10 and two. That is totally unconfirmed. That's something that I made up, but I believe that we hit the halfway point at brunch today. Tomorrow, we're past the halfway point because they play again. We're five games into this reseeding thing tomorrow afternoon at two. And you start looking at Portland going like, I, I, how many more losses do they have in them? The Kings have just dug themselves too far of a hole. If you get one of those three games, we've got an entirely different story. You get one of those games in the game versus the Pelicans today. And, it, and this is where this is this is where the whole situation becomes far fetched as you start to look and you go, okay, you get this win. And then, you know, maybe you get one more. Maybe you get uh, let's see, what are we at? We said this was the halfway point. Maybe you get three of the final five. Maybe it would be something crazy, like could could that possibly do it? Like, yeah. Could it? Sure. Absolutely, if you get both wins against the Pelicans, could it do it? If if, uh, Portland falters, sure. But what on earth leads you to believe that they could possibly win three of their next five games? Nothing has happened that has led us to believe they can win three of the next five games. This whole thing is super far-fetched. The fact is they have just got to get out on the floor and get a W. I mean maybe just for their own sanity at this point certainly for our sanity certainly for King's Twitter sanity we've started to attack each other we're all looking for people to blame now we're blaming each other for bad takes and digging up receipts and all of that stuff man we've we, Jill added Jill, <laughs> Jill essentially tweeted yesterday can we all just get along you know we were talking about the LA riots earlier Jill Adage, just can, can can she went riding king on everybody can we just we all get along and maybe maybe focus our anger, you know, not on each other, but where it deserves to be. And that would be at the organization and the front office. And you know what the sad part is the frustrate the true what I believe, at least for me, this is this is from my perspective. What the true frustrating thing about the Kings is I believe the players are good. I ride Buddy a lot, but I think Buddy has a skill set that very few in the NBA have. And I don't know if it's a Buddy issue, and I've been led to believe that it is, or if it's a Luke Walton issue, or perhaps you know, even going back a little bit, a Dave Yeager issue, if it's a coaching issue. I thought Dave Yeager got more out of Luke Walton than, excuse me, I thought Dave Yeager got more out of Buddy Healed than Luke Walton did. But I thought he was put in a better position to succeed, and if you could just get a coach that will either hold Buddy... I don't know if Buddy needs to be held accountable or if Buddy just needs to believe what that particular coach is saying to him. But Buddy has a very unique skill set. Or not unique, but he has a skill set that that puts him, in terms of shooters, puts him... We, we saw it in February. It puts him... You know, as one of the deadliest shooters in the league, you ask people, you know, across the NBA, you know, who just sharp shooters, Buddy Heald's name is going to come up. It's just Buddy wants to do more. It appears either he wants to do more or his coach wants to do him to do more. And if it's his coach, then that's his fault. If Luke Walton is telling Buddy to do more, then run a play for him, which I don't believe that he does. Get him open, which I don't believe that they do. Then Luke Walton is doing Buddy Heald a disservice. De'Aaron, we were talking about unique skill sets. De'Aaron has the unique skill set. He's not quick, he's sudden. That was the line we were using, right? Like, he is so quick, he creates space. He is so fast, he is so sudden, he creates space. Few, if any, in the league can do what De'Aaron does. Bogey is solid. There are other things they've got to figure out. They've got to figure out Bagley, I understand that. They've got to figure out their bench, I understand that. I'll take Kent Bazemore on my team 10 times out of 10. But this, this Sacramento Kings franchise the Sacramento Kings team the one that we're watching right now is not 11 games under 500 bad not in my opinion are they 500 I don't I don't know I don't think so are they playoff worthy no probably not but the fact is we're not getting I think what we should out of them we're not they're just they're not the, I just refuse to believe they're this bad are they as good as we sometimes make them out to be? No. No, we've got, we had them winning 50 games before the season started. And I'm saying we collectively, members of the Sacramento Kings face. I'm ta- not talking about me, not talking about you. I'm talking about just people. You know, we say crazy stuff. Oh, they're going to win 50 games this year. They're, they're going to they're gonna finish in the fifth spot or the sixth spot, maybe even the fourth spot. I really think we can challenge for the third spot. This is before the season even started okay, and we set our expectations really high and we're always met with disappointment. I just don't believe, I don't know if they're 39 games good like they were last year. Although there was lightning in a bottle last year and that lightning seemed to have been let out of the bottle over the final stretch of the season. But I was anxious to see what Marvin Bagley was able to do. I was anxious to see the growth of Harry Giles. I was disappointed when they didn't pick up his option year and obviously disappointed in in what's happened with Marvin Bagley. I don't think they're as good as we make them out to be. I don't think they're good enough to make the playoffs. Not not in an eighty-two game format, and not in an eight seed bubble format. Or it it saying saying they're not good enough to make you know in in, in an eight seed bubble format. That's just that's that's twenty twenty hindsight. I thought they would could be competing at an equal level. In fact, we've seen with the exception of the with the with the with the exception of the Phoenix Suns, I think we've seen mostly what we have expected. From, from these teams, like you win some, you lose some. As great as San Antonio has played, they still have dropped two. They've just played really well in the losses. They played really well against Denver. They played really well against Philadelphia. But still ultimate three, ultimately through four games, they're 2-2. Two and two. You know, we've seen Portland have some big outings. We saw the tremendous win against the Houston Rockets. They're capable of doing that. We're talking about such a short time span here. I thought the Kings would be in this mix. I didn't realize they were going to go with the, the slow start game plan that they used the season, that they used at the beginning of the season when they lost five straight. I thought we would solidly scratch that out of the game plan, but that appears to be what's going on. The only question now is, does three straight become four straight? and does that do does does that win column number ever get a w in it they've got the brooklyn nets coming up tomorrow so good god you know brooklyn they they gave i think it was uh, yeah boston boston put up a 149 yesterday they get you know they gave boston a you know they they tried to play some ball until about midway through the second quarter and it was like all right you know they're they're outmatched and and rightfully so like boston is a to me a championship contending team. I mean they just had a plethora of players and double figures and they didn't have to play guys a ton so that's a that's a that's a win-win for for Boston moving forward but that's who the Kings got tomorrow but you know hindsight 2020 unrealistic expectations before the season started this team is not 11 games under 500 bad they're not. And that's my biggest issue with them right now. Uh, we mentioned the Thunder, uh, the Thunder and the Lakers yesterday. Another, you know, thanks to Nick who hit me on the text line and reminded me of this, 916-888-5898. You can connect with me there uh, any time, day or night. Uh, thanks to Nick for reminding me yesterday as I was owning all of my bad takes about the Mavericks and my bad takes about the Phoenix Suns and the uh, San Antonio Spurs as this restart got underway. Uh, I was right about the Thunder. And I appreciate Nick for reminding me. I, more than uh, reminding me that I got one right, I appreciate him. Because normally, no one ever remembers the things that you get right. They remember the things that you get wrong. Because it's more fun to remember the things that you get wrong than to go, see, so, yeah, I told you. But we talked about it at the beginning of the year, this Thunder team is too young and too good. Here's, here's my poor take as it pertains to the Thunder. And here's my formal apology because I know he has been waiting for it. My bad, Billy Donovan. Uh, I'll own this one. I, I had a lot of questions last year, the years prior, as to whether Billy Donovan can coach. And I've asked on many occasions, you've got to change something. And the change either has to be Russell Westbrook or it has to be Billy Donovan because there's something within that organization that is missing. And... There was never a change with Billy Donovan. From all you know, I, I remember asking Sam Amick on numerous occasions, "Is there any chance? Is there any chance?" And he would say, "Sam Presti believes in in, in Billy Donovan." Like, and, and I remember two years ago him saying, "You know, it feels far fetched, but you're more likely to see Russell gone before than than you are, you know, Billy Donovan." Now, obviously, the the uh, circumstances surrounding Russell Westbrook being traded were kind of extraordinary, given the Paul George and Los Angeles Clippers situation and Sam Presti having the opportunity to blow up his team probably a year earlier than any of us expected him to um, but I owe Billy Donovan an apology Billy Donovan has proved to be a hell of a coach something that I didn't know that he was uh, or, or maybe it was just the mess of, of, of Russell Westbrook that he couldn't you know he couldn't he couldn't get his hands around and I get it you know I'm Russell Westbrook is a, you know, a high-intensity player, and I'm sure he's that same exact way in the locker room. I'm sure he's that same exact way during practice, not saying that his teammates don't love him, not saying that his coaches don't have respect for him, but I'm sure he's a difficult player to coach. Uh, but Billy Donovan has done a, an absolutely extraordinary uh, job. The two teams yesterday, uh, 105-86 victory for the Oklahoma City Thunder. The two teams yesterday shot a combined 10 of 61 That is good. We did the math for you. 16.4% from three-point range. That's history right there. That is the worst combined shooting percentage with a minimum of 50 attempts from behind the three-point line in NBA history. 16.4%. It was the first time all season that the Los Angeles Lakers didn't lead in a game. Uh, The Clippers and the Nets are the only two teams left that have led in every game. Uh, One of those things is not like the other. That was also a season-low 86 points, as we just mentioned, for the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis combined 10 of 30 from the floor. That's their lowest combined field goal percentage as teammates. Their previous low was Thursday when they played the Clippers. And LeBron did play. LeBron played 30 minutes. Anthony Davis uh, played 29 minutes. Uh, Anthony Davis, after the monster games that he's had in this restart, had just nine points, three of 11 from the field. Uh, since clinching that number one seed, they have not been able to really get going again. Um, not Again, not giving them excuses, not giving them a way out. That performance yesterday was about Oklahoma City, uh, Billy Donovan. That was about the team that won, not the team uh, that lost. To wrap out, Uh, Wrap up the NBA scoreboard. The Philadelphia 76ers uh, beat Washington. Washington remains winless. Memphis and Washington were the only other other two winless teams uh, since the bubble began, and they both lost yesterday. What will the Sacramento Kings do against the New Orleans Pelicans? The uh, Raptors continue to roll. They beat the Orlando Magic. We mentioned Boston clobbering. Brooklyn yesterday speaking of Brooklyn, uh, Kevin Durant gave his gave his picks for the NBA championship he's going with the clippers he's going with the clippers over the bucks he says quote if I had to choose and I hate doing this stuff because I, I paraphrase there I'm trying to be good because you never know what could happen. you see what happened with us last year but if I had to choose, I'll go with clippers and bucks for the championship. And I'll go with the Clippers. He goes on to say they're just so deep. They haven't had their whole team together at once for a long period of time yet. And the talent is just undeniable when you have PG and Kawhi at the wings. Uh, That's what you need to win is wings. Uh, You got those two at the wings, arguably top three, top four at the wing position on one team. Of course, uh, KD recovering. Uh, from his Achilles injury, uh, more applause goes to the NBA as they have, um, their commitment to social justice issues and social justice initiatives is not just black lives matter on a basketball court. And it is not just, uh, phrases on jerseys. Uh, they have put their money where their mouth is and the NBA board of governors, which for those who are unaware the NBA board of governors is the term that they use for NBA owners. The NBA Board of Governors announced today that it will contribute $300 million in initial funding to establish the first-ever NBA Foundation, which is dedicated to creating greater economic empowerment in the black community. The foundation is being launched in partnership with the National Basketball Association. I want to continue with this press release uh, just so you can get a vibe for what this is all about. Quote, over the next 10 years, the 30 NBA team owners will collectively contribute $30 million annually to to establish a new league-wide charitable foundation. Through its mission to drive economic empowerment for black communities through employment and career advancement, the NBA Foundation will seek to increase access and support for high school, college-aged, and career-ready black men and women and assist national and local organizations that provide skills training, mentorship, coaching, and pipeline development in NBA markets and communities across the United States and Canada. As a public charity, the foundation will also aim to work strategically with marketing and media partners to develop additional programming and funding sources that deepen the NBA's family's commitment to racial equality and social justice, end quote. More applause uh, for the NBA for leading the way along with the WNBA and uh, the social challenges still facing this country. Uh, John Gruden's an interesting individual. I don't think that needs to be stated on a podcast for any of us to know it. Apparently, in an effort to bring more attention to the coronavirus and the seriousness of the coronavirus, John Gruden got the idea of starting the team meeting yesterday by not being on the team meeting yesterday. They had a big Zoom call with all of the players, and instead of John Gruden being there, the assistant head coach was there saying that Gruden was in the hospital with COVID-19. This was days after uh, Doug Peterson became the second NFL head coach to test positive for coronavirus. Obviously, Sean Payton was the first. That was back in March. So John Gruden thought this would be a good idea. He thought it would get the players' attention, and it did. That apparently there were some shocked reactions from the players. And then they basically said, psych, and Gruden is fine, and he is not in the hospital with COVID-19. That y'all coach man. You know what we haven't talked about. I kind of put a ban on his name on this show because of. I said you know we're not going to talk about him unless there're football reasons to talk about it. And I never really, we never really brought up the fact that Antonio Brown has formally been suspended for eight games in the upcoming season. And I guess it wasn't really worth bringing up because he's not signed with a team, and I think he's retired two or three times since we start, stopped bringing his name up a while ago. Uh, but there have been a lot of rumors about him, and one of them that seems to be really, really strong is in Seattle. Uh, there's rumors out there that Russell Wilson is pushing hard for Pete Carroll and, 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 and the Seattle Seahawks to, to bring Antonio Brown in for what would ultimately be the second half of this upcoming season. Again, he's going to be suspended for the first eight games. I have no idea if he's appealing it. I really haven't been following the process because I didn't think he was going to be on a roster next year. Uh, I I didn't think anybody would, you know, after what happened with uh, the Raiders more than the Patriots. I don't think anything necessarily happened with the Patriots other than a bunch of his bad behavior from the past caught up with him. Even if it, you know, and I'm not even talking about distance past. I'm talking about recent past. It, It just all caught up with him. I don't think he necessarily did anything in New England that, that warranted New England getting rid of him. It, it had to do with all the stuff leading him to get get to New England, and it was probably the right thing for the Patriots to get rid of him. I think what he did with the Raiders is what concerns people a little bit more because that's still such a baffling situation. But, you know, Pete Carroll's one of those guys. You could probably bring him on on a on – a, pretty chill contract especially with the 8 game suspension you could bring him in something similar to what uh the Cleveland Browns did with Kareem Hunt upon his return and or or you know when he was suspended they they got him on a on a very cushy deal if you will and but I don't know Antonio Brown said he retired I I I don't know uh, one final note here, and I know that's a hell of a story to to, to bring up and then go, I don't know what's going to happen. Just fucking Antonio Brown, dude. I have no idea what's going to happen. kidding me? Uh, after suffering, this sucks, man. This sucks for the NBA. Uh, Sabrina Ionescu has left the bubble in Bradenton, Florida, and she's headed to New York to see an ankle specialist. She had a grade three ankle sprain in the third game of the New York Liberty. This sucks because given the severity of her ankle sprain, I don't see, given the severity of her ankle sprain, given the fact that she had to leave the bubble, given the fact of the, the the quarantine and the rejoining procedures, I don't see a situation in the shortness of the season, I don't see a situation where Sabrina Inescu plays another game in her rookie year. And that sucks. She is as exciting as they come. And with so many stars missing this WNBA season because of, You know, the COVID-19 circumstances, uh, she was a massive bright spot. The New York Liberty were not good. They are not going to be good. They are incredibly young. Um, Seven, I think, rookies are on the roster. Seven or eight rookies are on the roster, including Sabrina Inescu. And they weren't going to win games. But she was a bright spot in that team losing. She was worth watching. She was one of those players where, like, it doesn't matter that this team is bad. She is worth watching and now the liberty just aren't worth watching. They'll get it together at some point and that's the you know that's the key to success in the WNBA. You have to stink. You know the Sacramento Monarchs are a rarity. You know the Sacramento Monarchs and the championship that they won is a, is a super super rarity in, in the NBA when you look at the teams that have won after them. Phoenix, you know Phoenix stunk in the right year and they were able to draft Brittany Griner, still one of the biggest still one of the biggest question marks I'll ever have about the league is how that happened like they had the you talk about be, like the worst imaginable odds to to win that lottery and you already have got Diana Taurasi they were able to bring Brittany Griner in. they were able to win a championship together that's how it works Minnesota built a dynasty off of sucking for like three years that's how it works the Las Vegas Aces that's how it works the New York Liberty they're gonna to have to suck a couple of more times and get a couple of more top tier college players uh and then they will be a contending force uh, in the WNBA but it sucks but I mean I guess that's the bright spot right you lose Sabrina Inescu you're gonna to continue to stink you're gonna to continue to not win games and it'll increase your draft status for next year which will be good for them and they'll probably still be a year away Appreciate you so much for tuning in, man. I promise we will have full coverage of the Sacramento Kings and the New Orleans Pelicans tomorrow uh, on the podcast. If you want a post-game reaction, uh, search Be Heard in your podcast platform, whether it's radio.com or Apple Podcasts. Search Be Heard. All five of our podcasts will pop up. Uh, We're looking to add some new ones on the way. If you've never checked out Relive, go on and check it out. I think that podcast is going to be removed uh, from our network here pretty soon. It might live exclusively on Patreon um because we need to create room man we've got some young talent working on some podcasts here i've mentioned uh you know the kids with the Sac city unified school just are, can't wait to introduce you to those incredibly talented 15 16 17 year olds just absolutely amazing people some of them going to stanford some of them already at Sac state uh, just ex- so excited uh for the future of the be heard platform man and ten thirty start we'll see what happens kings and the pelicans today or if you're listening to this later kings and the pelicans already happened regardless we'll have coverage for you tomorrow here on the podcast with damian barley